0: Welcome to the Call First We Are Not Alone anymore Ask It Basket Workshop. My name is Ren. I am a compulsive overeater and your moderator. Hi. Hi, and your moderator for this meeting. Please join me in the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Before we get started, we ask that all cell phones or other electronic devices are turned off. To protect our anonymity, no photography or visual recordings are allowed. The opinions expressed here today are those of individual OA members and do not represent Region 2 or Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. An ask it basket is being circulated for the question and answer portion of this meeting. This meeting is being taped. If you enjoy this workshop, We encourage you to stop by the tape table to order copies of this workshop or any other meeting. They are available on CD or as an electronic download. The format for this meeting is as follows. Two speakers will share for 25 minutes each, followed by 25 minutes of questions and answers. The topic for this session is, Call First, We Are Not Alone Anymore. Our first speaker is Rachel. Our second speaker is Tom. Okay, I'd like to introduce Rachel.
1: Oh. Uh-oh, everything's sliding forward, so. That is. Hi, I'm Rachel, I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Hi. Good morning. Oh, wow, I just have to say that um, I was really glad to be, Tom allowed me to speak first and I'm glad I'm doing this in the morning because I was like, okay, good, then I am I can enjoy like the rest of my day kind of thing. Anyway, I just want to start off by saying that um, this is my story and I don't speak for OA, obviously. Take what you like and leave the rest. Um, I heard something on uh, an AA tape one time that said if you um, love everybody that you meet at meetings and you agree with everything that you hear then you're not going to enough meetings. So, um, and now it's on an OA tape, so yay. Anyway, um, so I just want to start off before I talk about the telephone by um, qualifying. So I came to my first uh, OA meeting in 1985, and oh, good, I bet you guys are relieved too. Um, And uh, by the grace of God this month, I'll be celebrating um, 10 years of back-to-back abstinence. And, um, oh, can you hear me? Um, and so, of course, if you all can do a little bit of calculations and math, that means that it took me a while to get abstinent. Uh, it does not have to, but um, uh, for a long time, I was sort of in and out and in and out of meetings. I never left meetings entirely, but uh, and and I had a really really low bottom. Um, I was a daily binger. Uh, and before this 10 years, I, uh, except for I had like six months, six and a half month period of abstinence before that. But before that, I couldn't get two or three days strung together. Um, I, was, I was a low bottom binger and an isolator. Uh, I would draw the blinds, turn off the phone, and binge. Uh, my food came before everything else. Uh, and definitely an, an isolator. And Um, Something I want to say, because telephone is all about sort of getting out of that isolation, is during that time when I, you know, between when I first came into my first meeting and I got abstinent, I had all the books. In fact, I had a couple of copies of books. And, you know, I tried working this program by myself and working the steps by myself. And what it got me was a bunch of O.A. literature with food stains on them. So um, this yeah this program does not work with just me. If I could do it by myself, I probably would, because I'm sort of a natural isolator. Um, I had to reach out. So as far as using the phone, um, and it was weird when I was asked to do this job because I was like, I don't feel like I'm a I'm a great phone person. You know, they're they're and and in and out of program. Like I'm just not one of those people who like chats on the phone. I think I was sometime during my adolescence, but Ever since then, I'm just not a huge phone talker, um, but the phone has been a vital part of my recovery. When I, you know, my first—I've had a lot of sponsors, but my first sponsor, um, you know, 10 years ago when I was getting abstinent, you know, said you got to use the phone and recommended to me something which has been so important, which was practicing using the phone first before. I need to use the phone. So I, I really believe this is an illness um, and so, I don't know, I tend to think of, of a lot of sort of like health care metaphors, forgive me because I'm in the uh, healthcare um business. And so when you think about it, okay, I don't know if anybody's ever taken a CPR class, but you don't like sit down and read a book. On how to use CPR and like go through it and then expect, okay, so if somebody has a heart attack, then I'll know what to do. You know, they make you get those dummies that are like really weird looking and do the whole thing and they make you, they make you practice it. So in case of emergency, you know, you know what to do. It's like, oh yeah, and I mean I still worry that I won't know what to do, but they make you actually practice. So, you know, I had a sponsor who said, make phone calls when you are not in trouble, you know, instead, okay, you know, make this many phone calls, whatever. And I think the thing that freaked me out about phone calls before I started making them, and maybe for a lot of you too, is I felt like it needed to be this whole, like, therapy session that I needed to call and say, this is what I'm feeling today, and how are you feeling, and what's going on. I mean, if you're like me, I've been in a lot of therapy. It doesn't have to. You know, it can be, and that's great. But it can just be, hey, how are you doing? You know, the weather is a good topic. You know, it doesn't have to be this, you know, dredging up of the deepest thing in my soul. Um, And so she said, just call, you know, practice calling, get phone numbers. You know, this was before I had, you know, the contacts in my cell phone. I have this, and I still got it, my little blue um, OA telephone directory, and I still, I take names, and I still, like, will write um, little identifiers of people. It's interesting looking back in in my little phone book going, you know, Susie Q, uh, dark hair, glasses, That so I remember, you know, who it is. Um, and said, you know, practice making phone calls and things are good. I actually heard somebody else say that uh, his sponsor told him not just to practice making phone calls, but, like, to back up one step and to practice with your finger on the little hang-up thing, to, like, literally practice picking up the phone and dialing without, like, taking your finger up and, like, practice, hi, how are you doing? Practice that way. So, if you know, if that's what you need to do first before you even get another person on the line, I thought that was great, you know, let's do a little run-through. Um, but also something I got to remember is that I don't have to like figure out what I'm going to say. Like sometimes when I know I need to make a phone call, I would just pray, "Okay, God, just help me pick up the phone and dial." And then the rest is up to you. You know, the rest I'm leaving to you. So, um, yeah. So I it got easier to make phone calls. So that when I was in trouble, um, you know, it it. It was there. It wasn't like, oh, my God, I've never done this before. And the cool thing about making phone calls is then I also have this thing and still have this thing about feeling isolated sometimes at meetings. Well, I found that the more phone calls that I make, the more I have, you know, people to talk to at meetings because they'll come and oh, I'm sorry I missed your call, da-da-da-da-da, how are you doing? Or if they didn't miss my call and we talked, you know, hey, how did it ever go with blah, blah, blah. It just got me out of that. That isolation that crippling isolation and you know made me feel not so alone anymore and um, and and also to realize that when I make a phone call whether it's reaching out or or just calling someone you know whether it's reaching out because I feel like I'm in trouble or calling someone to find out how they're doing I'm doing service you know when I I cannot tell you how many times I've gotten a phone call from somebody who was struggling or needed it and I was so grateful I mean I've never gotten a phone call and you know and at the end of it thought you know I you know I never want them to call me again it's, it's service I am doing service by calling um, so that helps me to remember that I'm not just like you know taking from them you know you've heard that saying about, oh, this helps me more than it helps you. You know, my sponsor used to say that to me, and uh, I used to think that that was something that they taught you to say in sponsor school, (laughs) but it's, you know, it's it's so true. So, uh, and also, I kind of wanted to mention this, too, that um, there's little etiquette things that I sort of follow around phone calls, like certainly the whole, like, calling too early or too late thing that I always try to leave unless I'm sure that this person has a private voicemail or that, you know, their family or whoever knows that they're in program, you know, I'll say, hi, this is Rachel. I met you at, you know, Saturday night, like I won't mention program, just little things like that. Uh, And when I give out my phone number, somebody takes my phone number, I'm sure to tell them, you know, look, you can say whatever you want. It's a private voicemail. You can call at any hour because I turn it off when I go to bed. So just little things like that which, you know, people freak out. Well, what if I, you know, wake them up? What if I bother them? What if, you know, they don't want If somebody, my feeling is I don't put my phone number down on a list unless I expect to get calls, you know. So if someone's put themselves down on the list, then I expect that, yeah, it's okay to call them. Like I don't have to be afraid and also that I don't even have to you know I told you about my phone book with the little reminders in it but sometimes I'll call someone and I don't really remember exactly who it is or I've gotten calls and I don't remember who they are and it's fine And some some of those are some of the best calls I mean talk about the tool of anonymity like it really doesn't matter and uh, I don't use phone meetings a whole lot but uh, I've, I've done a few and gotten phone numbers from people and that's really cool because I have no idea what they look like or you know I mean I'm I'm a human being I don't know about you guys but I will get a resentment about something that somebody said in a meeting one time and and um oh thanks and um you know it'll sort of I don't want let me say it this way I don't want my character defect of resentment, which is my problem, to stand in the way of hearing what I really need to hear from somebody. Because the message that I need to hear might come out of the mouth of somebody that I, you know, have this resentment against because they said something at a meeting or something, and so that's that's my problem. I don't want to have those. Um, oh, something else, too, that I wanted to, um, to talk about was, so I, I used – I told you about, like, coming into program, and I use the phone a lot, you know, because my sponsor had me use it a lot. And then um, for me lately, I felt like sort of my program was stagnating a little bit. I feel like I had – you know, I, I don't think I'll ever feel like a long-timer. I mean, I still, in a lot of ways, am a newcomer, but I feel like maybe – okay, maybe I'm a mid-timer. And I felt like I was having, like, maybe a mid-time crisis or something, like my – My program was stagnating, and I heard something so great in a meeting, that this person was doing um, 30 phone calls in 30 days. Like, when I first came in, I did 90 meetings in 90 days. It it didn't start off like that. It started off as, like, one and one, and then was 30 and 30, and then I did 90 and 90. And then I ended up, because I needed it, going to a meeting, like, pretty much every day for the first six months. But this whole concept, and I knew I couldn't really do 30 meetings in 30 days realistically now, Um, or I wasn't willing to. But this idea of doing 30 phone calls in 30 days um, just really intrigued me. And I thought, oh, you know, I can do that. And I had to make little rules uh, around it for myself because it would end up being like 30 voicemails in 30 days if I didn't. (laughs) So especially it's like, oh, yeah, I'll call this person who I know has a 9-to-5 job at, you know, 2 o'clock at home, you know. Um, And I don't know about you guys, but I know that feeling of, oh, thank God I got voicemail. You know? I mean, I get that with, you know, that happens sometimes with my sponsor or whatever. It's like, oh, my God, someone answered the phone. Shit. Um, I forgot we're being taped. Okay. Strike that profanity. Um, Anyway. um, But uh, so I had to make little rules about it um, that uh, if I spoke with someone that counted or – Three messages would count, you know, because otherwise there are some nights, yeah, where, you know, I would call and leave 10 voicemails and be like, oh, you know, so three messages would count. And it really invigorated my program. I mean, really invigorated my program. I was like, oh, yeah, that's why I used the phone. You know, I've been, like I say, I've been, I've been asking you now 10 years. I've been going to meetings for a lot longer than that. And, But I need these reminders of, like, oh, yeah, that's why I use the phone. That's why I cannot do this alone. That's why isolation is toxic for me. Uh, So much so that when the 30 days was over, you know, I felt like, oh, sorry, it's over. And then God has these ways of, like, you know, tweaking my program for me because then a speaker getter position opened up. And I had that phenomenon where I had a muscle spasm that went like this <laughs> that God gives me sometimes. And so now I'm like calling people, you know, that I want to get them to speak. But uh, And, you know, I'm willing to do that 30 phone calls in 30 days again because I thought it really, really helped. Um, something else also I wanted to mention, and this was, I won't get a chance to read all of this, but um, this is um, Voices of Recovery, which is a great Daily Reader, um, which takes little snippets from our OA literature, and then people have sort of commented on them, and I saw it, I think it's for sale on the literature table, so it's really good. Um, Let's see, because one of the things that can come up around phone calls is the resentment that someone hasn't called me back, Um, and, or that I've called them, and, you know, or that feeling you know, like, oh, I need to talk to someone, and I can't get anybody's machine, and da-da-da-da-da. So, I like this says, um, uh, the, well, anyway, the quote is, the purpose of Step 10 is to identify and remove from our past today's stumbling block. Uh, and then it says some stuff about that. How can I remove these stumbling blocks so I can stop bringing pain into my life? Admitting that the fear is there is the first step towards removing it, toward relying on a higher power to walk me through it. I can pray for courage and make follow-up phone calls tonight to those who haven't returned mine. Like, it's okay. I mean, obviously, I don't want to stalk someone, you know. <laughs> you know, I'm in the house. Um, but I have to remember, you know what? Uh, people have lives, you know. People are have lives and are busy. And this, you know, this just came up with somebody who, you know, I work with, and I found out that, you know, this person – You know hadn't returned my phone call and I had to write a resentment about it you know and it was kind of like Rachel grow up you know I mean my I do a God dialogue sometimes a writing dialogue and God didn't say it in that in those words but you know this person has a life and I have to remember that and I trust that people who call me will remember you know if I don't get right back to you it's not because I don't want to I try you know my perfectionism sort of works for me sometimes. And my my worrying about what people think of me is that, I, you know, I usually return phone calls pretty quick, um, not because I'm Mother Teresa, but because of that pricing, like I want them to think that I'm really cool. Um, but it, you know, sometimes defects can work for us. But I also have to remember that, you know, I'm not perfect and, you know, people have lies and, and you know, that's okay. So, and there was something else too that was in here that I wanted to talk about. Um, Uh, Oh, because, and this is, I'm veering off the telephone topic a little bit, but I promise it will come back, because this seems very apropos for conventions. Conventions can be wonderful, but they can also be a little bit overwhelming, and I know in that period before I got abstinent, I did go to some conventions, and they were great, and I would get all energized, and then I would go home, and I would binge, you know, it happens. And there are people who will leave this convention and go binge. And, you know, I mean, it, it happens. People binge at, at conventions. So um, I just love this. The celebrations of this day will be over at midnight, and tomorrow I will wake up glad to be alive and abstinent. And that's actually from, for today. Uh, and it says, a holiday, a birthday, a wedding, these events roll around and allow me to reach, uh, or a convention, to reach for the tools of so the program has... The program has lovingly handed me. I start my day asking the God of my understanding for help. I've learned to pick up the phone, and kind words receive me on the other end. They gently remind me of the pain I thought would grip me forever, and of the most important thing I will do today, keep my abstinence. Gratefulness envelops me. I say a quiet thank you and go through my day. When I lay my head down, gratitude lulls me to sleep. So, thanks. So uh, yeah, I just want to say that there's no shame at a convention calling someone and saying, you know, I know I'm at a convention. Maybe this other person is at a convention, too, um, but I really want to eat or, you know, I'm in trouble or, um, you know, just anything. Uh, just because this this, I feel like this is a safe place, but I have to remember that my disease is, is breathing down my neck. You know, I'm, it's my, I don't know if I have another abstinence in me, but I know I've got another binge in me. Uh, and the telephone is, is just another little, there's no, there's no foolproof insurance, but it's just another piece of, of insurance that I like to use um, to protect me against that first compulsive bite. So, um, that's kind of all I have. Thank you very much for coming today and for, you know, being part of this. So,
0: Thank you, Rachel, and I'd like to introduce Tom, our second speaker. And as Tom speaks, I encourage you to keep passing the ask it basket so that we'll have lots of great questions to answer at the third part of this workshop. Thanks.
2: I'm Tom, a compulsive overeater, and I am so happy to be here. And one of the things I want to say before I start Is in 2005 there was a convention in Long Beach, and I went down there um, and I was it was just a it was an intense time of my life. I was moving from somewhere I had lived for 15 years. I was completely stressed out. I was moving in with someone, and I hadn't lived with anyone for that same amount of period. I was completely stressed out. And for those of you local, um, I moved to the Richmond District in San Francisco. And at that point in time, I was trying to give up Chinese food. And if you know anything about the neighborhood, there's more Chinese restaurants per square block than anywhere else, I think, on the planet. And um, I remember, and and, and also, you know, the phone's my hardest tool. So I thought it was kind of ironic that I would get asked to talk about this. But one of the things I did is um, I called my sponsor, I think, every day for 45 days. Saying today I'm not going to have Chinese food, and yesterday I had it, and that went on for 45 days. I mean I was completely powerless over this this meal, and I was in the Long Beach convention and I was just burnt out. And I was telling my sponsor, I'm going to sign up for service. He said, No, you're going to go sit in the chair and listen. And I remember flying home from that convention and sitting on the airplane, and just this quiet voice came to me. Maybe you don't really need Chinese food and it was lifted, but it took me 45 days of the sheer hell that we all know happens with us in compulsive overeating, and then one day it's like, wait, that was easy, but you know, it really isn't. Um, it's just uh, it's just not how it works, and since that time, I've really been relieved of that, and in a funny way, it's just kind of how it works, and that's how it works in certain times for me to to use the telephone. Um, I came in on June 27th, 2003, and um, have been abstinent since I came in. It'll be seven years at the end of this month. I came in... Thank you. I remember the last time I weighed in, I thought it was, you know, I remember thinking it was funny, but it really wasn't, that I was 297 pounds, and, gee, I'm pushing 300. So I think I was over 300, a 44-inch waist, and I had some pretty serious health considerations. I was pre-diabetic. I also had pancreatitis. That's when your body cannot absorb. Your pancreas can't absorb the amount of fat you take in, right? And I had these horrible bouts. You know, I hear about it in the rooms. So other people have had it. And um, I had these really, I call them skanky big man rashes, which were these rashes underneath my arms, in my crotch, you know, anywhere the skin rubbed against each other. You know, I just, I just had a rash. And um, thankfully, since I came into the program, that, um, that hasn't, hasn't um, I haven't had any of those things. I'm not pre-diabetic. I haven't had pancreatitis, and, you know, the rash went away. And I really consider that one of the gifts from um, my higher power. I've sustained about a 70-pound weight loss, eight inches um, of width. And since I came into program, I don't eat sugar, bread, or potato products. That's my bottom line abstinence. I, I eat, you know, I went through this whole thing when I first started that, you know, I work out a lot, I'm a big guy, I need my snack, and I really don't need a snack anymore. But that took about five years to get used to because um, and it's just uh it's three meals a day, nothing in between. Um, I have a few big beliefs I want to talk about, and I'm really gonna focus on the telephone through a different thing. Um, Like anything, you know, I believe OA is teaching me a practice. You know what I mean? A practice of doing a number of things which actually really help stack the odds of me being abstinent. So in the event I practice my plan of eating, I practice the phone, if I can keep doing that, the odds get better. And my job in my life is to really stack the odds for abstinence because when that happens, things occur beyond my wildest imagination and it makes my days better you know and so I just want to say you know I'm all about the odds and if I use the right now I think in terms of telephone I'm probably at around 60 percent like they're big things I will tell you when I go to a movie theater to see a movie I bring my phone with me and I call before and after because there's a substance there that I become obsessed with. And if left to my own devices, I, you know, I would have it. It's stacked. up. When I do that, most of the time I don't eat the substance. So I'm really all about working. Um, you know, about working the numbers um, because I know that's what gives um, gives me um, relief. And I also, the, the place, it's hardest for me to make a call. So, like, for the big things, and I'll talk about a bunch of them, uh, for the big things, um, it's kind of easy for me to make a call. So if I know I'm going to the movie theater, I bring the phone. Um, if I'm making lunch at home and see some of my roommate's food and think, well, I'll have an o- omelet with this, that, and the other thing, you know, kind of those simple things, that's when I don't use the phone that I think it would really help me to do that. Um, Because, you know, kind of for the grandiose things, uh, I kind of commit to it. But for the very, very basic things, about maybe two pieces of chicken would be better than one. You know, those. if I can capture those moments and pick up the phone and just say that to someone, it stacks the odds. And those are the times I don't do it, and those are the times where it's just slightly humiliating. You know what I I mean? It's chicken, for God's sake. It's nothing... Sexy, but I'm a compulsive overeater, and there's no such thing as one piece. I want the entire thing and another one. So um, that's just the way it works. But those are really the moments that I want to improve. Those are the moments when I get phone calls that I'm the happiest. I got a call the other day. Gee, Tom, it's 9:30 in the morning, and I want lunch. <laughs> and I tell you know, what are you going to have? And those calls are just delightful, you know what I mean, because they realize, God, how many times has it been early in the morning and I want lunch? How many times have I just finished lunch and I want dinner? I've got this in my DNA. I mean, it's in my cells. and um, those are the moments, that, and it's, it's funny, we can laugh at each other, not laugh at each other, but we can understand it, and we can join and we connect, because... Ours is a disease of isolation, and the telephone is a way to really break that isolation. Um, earlier in my life, before I was in program, you know, I would just have, you know, these lost weekends, you know what I mean, where I would just be tired and burn out, and what I would actually be doing is renting movies and ordering takeout all weekend long. And people would call and say, what are you doing? I won't pick up the phone. I'm very busy. You know, well, yeah, I was busy, you know, eating and watching – probably terrible movies. Um, but that's how my disease works. I, I could never handle Christmas, you know, when I, I just couldn't handle Christmas. There was too much family, too much activity. It was a time of the year when the whole world is, you know, saying go outside and all I want to do is go inside. You know, I'm tired. And um, I used to do this thing where I would perfect the perfect Christmas dessert for two weeks in advance. I would try it, of course, and eat it every single night. And so by like, Christmas Eve, it was perfect, and um, I was all wiped out. But you, know, you look back, and the stories are, you know, I tell them in a funny way, but they're devastating. And they're isolating. You know, there's no, I'm not telling everyone, in a row, guess what, I'm making a bushy Noel 12 days in a row and eating the whole thing. That's something I would never tell anyone until I got into program. And these are the things that help join us, and these are the things that Everyone in this room can understand, if not that, something very, very similar. And that's what breaks the pattern, and that's really what the telephone um, telephone does. Um, one of the things I was thinking about, um, how, you know, how to, what to say and how to organize this, and one of the things that came to mind really strongly was um, the unity prayer. And I kind of want to break it up. I put my hand in yours is the first part of that prayer. And the place I learned how to use the phone the most was with my um, my sponsor. And my relationship to the program started. I was in a life threatening car wreck. I woke up in the middle of the night not knowing what to do but realizing I had to do something about this. Someone in it had told me that there was someone in my exercise class who was a member of OA, and I called and found out her number, and I was at the Gold Run truck stop on Highway 80 coming back to Lake Tahoe because that's where the accident happened. I picked up the phone and I said, I need help. I'm in trouble. And I got this very wonderful response. Thank you so much for calling. I'm glad you did. You know, and it just really gave me some guidance. Um, you know, why don't you call me tomorrow morning with the food you're going to eat and just tell me what you're going to have. And um, why don't you go to such and such a meeting and look for my friend so-and-so. They'll be there and tell them you're my friend. And, and, and I just did it. But that's where the phone started. And I'm thinking... Never have I been sorry for making or receiving a phone call. But for me, it all starts with sponsorship. Because I remember this person eventually became my sponsor and still is. And I remember one of the first orders of business was to call at 8.30 in the morning. I still can't do that well. You know, I mean, I I work and, again, my odds are better. You know, usually it happens between 8.25 and, you know, 8.40. But I never had the discipline to be able to call someone every single day. And generally, I do that. And that's really where it started. And generally, it's very, very quick. You know, it's either about food or, you know, my practice is here's my food plan for the day and here's what I did yesterday. I adhered, I didn't adhere, I did something different. But it gets me on the phone and every time I have something that's not on my plan, guess what? I want to lie. I just want to, you know, I just want to lie through omission, uh, pretend it didn't happen, and after all these years, it just doesn't happen anymore. And that's a big gift. Early on, I would just start talking fast and saying, I'm busy, and, you know, I I just wouldn't disclose. But it's that kind of connection. And I would say um, maybe a third of the time we talk real time, and it just really helps. Sometimes it's kind of intense, you know, if I'm doing a tense step, and I, you know, have some things to say. What I want to say about this is, you know, the relationship with the sponsor is a great application of the telephone. Because oftentimes you get to do it a couple times a day and um, a couple of of, of other times. Um, And the other thing is I traveled internationally during that point, and I remember going to London. And I was thinking, um, you know, I'll just take a few weeks off the phone. And I, I got some very suggestive feedback about phone cards are only about 20 bucks. You know, there are pay phones all over the place. And why don't you just try that and see how it works? And so, you know, and I've gone overseas several times, and I used the phone. I went to, of course, you know, I don't know. I went to Southeast Asia. I don't eat rice, and I don't eat Asian food. It was after it was all lifted, right? <laughs> right? So great place for a trip. That's really the only thing they put on place. And um, I bought a telephone there, and, it, you know, they're really cheap. And um, I called my sponsor every day, and I called program people all the time because it was a big deal. And my odds turned out better. And that's really what the phone—what um, the phone offers. Um, I put my hand in yours, and together we can do what we could never do alone. I am an addict in every cell of my being. I spent 43 years of my life trying to do this alone managing my food, managing, you know, it's so demoralizing. I don't know if anyone else, it's so silencing. You don't tell people, but every morning I told myself, today's going to be the day, no sugar, I'm going to take off that 70 pounds, and it's going to be a new start, and that did really well until the first donut of the morning, right? And the next day, it would be the same thing. Today is going to be the big thing. Occasionally, I would get one day, But um, that, I mean, that's just how demoralizing it is. And that goes into silence and isolation. You know, for me, it did. And those are things, you know, I don't tell my guy friends. I don't tell my family. I don't tell anyone. You know, that's the thing you just kind of suck up and feel like a big failure because I can't manage it. But together, we can do what we can never do alone. And, like, I'm not the greatest caller, but I love getting calls. And I've gotten calls from people. I got one from... um, a program friend this week who was going to, pretty new to department, going to their parents' house and thinking about a food they eat at their parents' house and I called, and it was lifted for them. Um, I've seen some really amazing things in this program. Another, another person, dad died unexpectedly, was calling her food into me, saying, all right, we've got a funeral today. It was going to be a buffet. Guess what? Here's what I'm going to eat. And the amount of willingness and recovery I see as a recipient of the phone is, you know, it's just awesome. I mean, it's, um, it's utterly, uh, another thing, one of my favorite phone stories is um, there was a woman who was just started to date, and she called me from the toilet stall saying, all right, I'm on a dinner date. I'm really nervous. There's, I want to order an, an hors d'oeuvre, but, you know, it's not on part of my plan of eating, you know, and, and you know. And those moments are really the precious moments, and I think that's true. Together we can do what we could never, ever do alone. Because, you know, if I was on a date, like, well, if I was doing something like that, you know, your odds are better if you just talk to someone. And, you know, you kind of, again, not laugh at it, but sometimes it's light. Sometimes it's really intense. The other thing, um, I had this with a couple of my, uh, my sponsories who we do 10 steps together. And one of the things I hear a lot, and I do the same thing, it's not just them, is, um, okay, I've written a 10-step. Great. Well, half of the 10-step process is really giving it away to another person. And I think another way the phone is great is just to hear other people's 10 steps. You know, it's really, it's wonderful. But so often, and I don't know, I, I think, thanks, I think, you know, we get embarrassed. Um, and, you know, there's stuff on it. But there's never been anything... I just find it an honor, and it's wonderful to hear that stuff. And when I don't do a ten step, when I do a ten step and don't read it, I—it's not fulfilling. When I do it and I read it, the work is done. And I think it's just really important to use the telephone. Um, no longer is there a sense of hopelessness. Um, having our illness can feel very, very hopeful, hope, hopeless. Having recovery makes it feel really, really hopeful. I am, um, you know, one of the things I do is around my family of origin, like I have to call people before I go to my mom's house because she has all the problem food there. And, you know, she's my mom and I'm sometimes, I never know if I'm going to get triggered or, you know, I never know what's going to happen when I open the door. But I do know she's got a stash of nuts she has microwave popcorn and she has all sorts of other things that aren't on my plan of eating. And I have to I mean, I've never tell I've got a call when I'm there in the afternoon. That's my that's my crazy time. And I have to call someone before and after. I'm going to my mom's the only thing I'm gonna have is a diet coke. Great. Call me on the other side of it. And when I do that, most of the time I don't get into her food. But without the telephone, chances are I would. And there are times I've um, deliberately not called someone because I knew I wanted to get into some of the contraband. But, um, you know, but, but the odds are just better. We've got, in our, in our family tomorrow, there's uh, the first graduation, high school graduation of the next generation. All the family's converging. And there's a big divorce going on in our family. And my sister and her soon-to-be ex-husband are going to be together. And there's going to be buffet food, all right, and barbecue food. Guess what I'm bringing my phone because that's the only way I'm going to survive it. That is not the, it's the only way I'm going to survive it. You know, calling someone. All right, I'm going in. i had to do that before. I'm going in. I came out. And you know, and people laugh and people are so generous and wonderful and you know, I've never I've, and people also think I'm kind of nuts so I, I think it's enjoyable for them. But that's what it takes for me to go into those places and have any shot of abstinence. Because there's something happens with program people that doesn't happen with my family. It's a different kind of love. It's a different kind of acceptance, and I need that particularly when I when I when I go in. So, um, so that's the other thing. Um, no longer must we each depend upon our own unsteady willpower. Um, our willpower is so unsteady. I mean, it really is. You know, you think about it's just so unsteady. It's not about willpower at all. It's about not isolating and turning over to other people. Um, and I don't know. Well, one of the things, and we're all together now reaching out our hands for a power and strength greater than ours. I got a phone call yesterday morning from someone um, who asked me to speak today. And she was telling me the story, and I mean, I'm sharing her story because was kind of interesting. Um, long timer in program, over 35 years, and the phone was a tool back then. And guess what they had to do when they made phone calls? They had to go to a phone booth. Can you imagine that? Any time you had to make a program call to find a phone booth and have the proper change and not have the cell phones or phone cards or that type of thing? I think mean, that is willingness. You know, for me, it's just, you know, picking my cell phone up out of my backpack. And you'd think that would be, you know, the hardest thing on the planet to do. But, you know, it's, um, it, it's a whole incredible you know, just an incredible journey. I, um, I love what Rachel said about being a speaker getter. One of the ways, I always try to figure out ways I can get on the phone, and I always sign up for speaker getting ex- service positions because you have to get on the phone. You just have to. And you call people, and oftentimes um, I think, you know, people love getting calls. I, I've gotten yelled at one time when I made a call, and it was by this, this woman, young woman, and I knew she was having a hard time and she was going out of she was going out of program. And so I called her, and she said, "How come you're calling me now? I am in Whole Foods doing my shopping." And um, I thought to myself, "Boy, can I understand that?" And uh, and I got a big boom. You know, it felt like I got hung up a bit. I didn't even care. You know, I, I reached out. You know, it's interesting because. Um, I'll tell you, relapse scares me. I have a phenomenon which I call prelapse, which means I start engaging in all of these behaviors, you know, that will lead to a relapse. There's no doubt. And um, I had an experience with my sponsor one time where I was just in one of these moments. talked to her and she said, you know, I, wanna, I want you to interview, call, you know, five people with long-term recovery who have – things, um, who've had a relapse and come out of it, and ask them what happened right before. So I did my action research, and what happened right before, of course, is exactly what I was doing, and it was really just a wonderful, wonderful wake-up call to just, you know, do something different. And the other thing is, I talked about the isolation, which is a big part of, you know, this whole notion of, you know, why, at least for me, why the phone is so... Hard, but I need to have an out of self experience you know I get so self centered and it 's all about me and my food and this and that and, uh, you know and it 's um it can be interesting for about five seconds but you know when you're on the phone you can reach out to other people and find out what their experience is like and then actually just be relieved of stuff because there's a really beautiful beautiful connection that happens um, you know I always think I always think very sadly I, um, I came into a program almost seven years ago and there was a woman who was my you know we were in the same like entry class you know she came in at the same time and she left and I was so pissed off at her for leaving that I could barely talk to her. But I talked to someone in program who said, you know, you need to be charitable and kind. And you know how tough that can be. And so I call her every month. Now, I never hear back. I ran into her recently. I was very happy to see her. But, you know, calling people who aren't here anymore is really a good thing to do. Not for me. For them. They might like getting a call because we know how painful and horrible just the isolation of it all can be. And the phone, and you know, I was I was single for, you know, most of my adult life, and it was before you could text people on a date, it was before speed dating, any of that other kind of stuff. You had to use the phone. You know, that that was the primary vehicle, and it was hell. You know, you call people, you ask them out, they don't call back, you don't know if they're interested, the phone doesn't ring for you. You know, it's just this horrible thing, and I always thought that that was the reason I don't use the telephone in program, but actually that's not true the reason I don't use telephone is because of my pattern or my practice of isolating. I don't even think to do that until now, you know, when when I, when I build more practices around using the telephone. So it's, you know, it's such an essential tool. I go to five meetings a week and, you know, it's five hours a week. But that's not enough for me in terms of contact with other compulsive overeaters. That's just not, it's not going to do it. I love it. You know, this great fellowship that happens before and after. But it's during the day. It's in evenings. It's when I'm ready to eat a pie if I'm stuck in traffic. You know, those are the moments that this is such a gift and that this tool works so, um, so much. I got, I got flirted with recently. I was, you know, I turned 50, it happens less and less, but I was just delighted, you know, someone, um, someone flirted with me and I was so happy and so joyful and I got all electric and then I started thinking of stopping by a gas station and getting a treat and I picked up the phone. I called someone and said, guess what, I got flirted with you, you did? Well, yes, but you know, <laughs> and that's where the conversation went and I didn't end up at the gas station. And again, so um, so so my message is I'm someone who's kind of resistant. I'm not as resistant to the phone, but I really see and have reaped the benefits so often. And it's um and again I can say I have never ever called anyone in program and and have been sorry for it. I have never received a call from anyone in program and have been sorry because. You know the only way we can get through this is together, and we hold on to each other for dear life because this is just a wicked, tough illness. And, um, and I'm happy to be sharing it with all of you. Thanks. Wow!
0: Great stuff. Great stuff. Um, the speakers will now draw questions from the ask it basket for the remainder of the meeting. About twenty-five minutes. We can both stand up here and I'll hand each
1: Um, this one says, how do you deal with someone calling who just wants to go on and on and doesn't seem to want to hear about the tools or steps? I'll take this one first and then see uh, if you've got something to say. Um, yeah, that can definitely be difficult. And a lot of times, I mean, this can be – this can happen sort of in any situation that's sort of, like, going on and on. I find that I can't go wrong by just sharing what works for me. Like, I, I don't try to tell people what to do, but I can't go wrong with two things. By going to the source, by going to the literature and saying, you know, this is this is what the big book says about this. Or by saying, you know, this, this is what works for me. Um, and if they're sharing something that, you know, I can say, well, that might work for you, but but that would never have worked for me. You know, this is what worked for me. I can only share my experience, strength, and hope. And ultimately, though, I mean, yeah, some people, I know that because it took me a long time to get abstinent, um, some people aren't ready to hear the message, and that's okay. Like, I have to let go. The most important thing is to only worry about my side of the street if the the message isn't being heard um this person isn't ready then that's fine you know there's that thing in the big book about where um bill was working with all these alcoholics and he's like none of them are getting sober and his wife said yeah but you're still sober like that's what's important i have to you know just leave the outcome up to god so
2: Yeah, I've got opinions on this because for someone to call in that state, they're really reaching out. And I think a lot of people who don't have, like, the, the program vocabulary don't really know how to connect. So oftentimes, they'll start, like, with a therapeutic thing. Well, this is what happened, and this is why I eat because, you know. And what I always try to do is I try to redirect it. So I try to just get really program-specific. So what did you eat today? What's your plan for tomorrow? When's your next meeting that you're going to? So I just do a bunch of questioning that are really specific and focused towards the tools to try to just get them plugged in to one of the tools. But I, I try not to be, you know, I, I sometimes think, oh, God, it's such a waste of time. But it really isn't. People are doing their best. But I think our job, if we've been around a while, is just to get them back into the tools and support them in getting to, to meeting, having them call someone else, you know, is the more suggestions or questions like that um, seem to be helpful. Does email count as a call? <laughs> I don't speak on behalf of OA or anyone else except myself, but the answer is no, in my experience, because i um, it is so, at least for me, it is so easy to hide out in email. You know what I mean? There are so many truths you don't have to tell. You don't have the human connection. You know, you can't really lie too well when you're talking. I mean, I'm kind of a liar, but you can't really lie to people when you're talking on the phone. But you really can lie to yourself and to others using emails. So I don't think
1: it counts. Yeah, I would just say that. no, it doesn't count. <laughs> Can you recall a specific moment or crisis when you used the phone and it got you got and it got you through abstinently? Um, yeah, uh, this was early on in abstinence, and I was in the parking lot of Target in Arlington, Texas, uh, where I'm from. And it's funny because I, I was just talking about Target with somebody, but I forgot that. Oh, I used to get so much binge food there and um and I, I mean I was ready to go I had I had not gone there for socks and underwear I had gone there to get the binge food and I, I'm pretty sure I was you know I yeah I was staying with my parents and uh I was sure I was gonna I mean I was it wasn't like oh I'm gonna call you know what, so and yeah I picked up uh my phone and I called my sponsor at that time and I said you know, I cannot I can't do this, I can't do this. And she said, Do you believe do you believe that I believe that you can get through this abstinently? And she had like twenty years of abstinence and I said, Yeah and she said, Well, you know, borrow borrow some of my faith. So I did and um, yeah.
2: How have you encouraged who are reluctant to use the phone. And um, I think a a couple of things. Number one is I get them to call me. You know, just like I do for my sponsor. I get them to call me every day, and that helps build the practice of using the phone. And like I've learned is some type of action research. Get on the phone and call three people and find out whether or not, you know, they have this kind of snack or something. And I try to... You know, I, I try to get them, you know, get them engaged. And I also am a big advocate of, and I actually, I, I get them help of calling newcomers. You know, see who's first time on the list. You're the one who is closest to their experience and you can help them out. But I don't know what to say. Ask them if they have any questions. So I really, it's really with the, with the newcomers and some action research.
1: How many times a week do you call another compulsive overeater who isn't your sponsor? It it really varies. Um, you know, like I talked about with the 30 phone calls in 30 days. Then I was obviously calling somebody every day. But since then, it it varies, and sometimes um, there are some weeks where I won't. in uh, you know, full disclosure, I I will not call um, another person who isn't my sponsor. And then some weeks, you know, it's you know, maybe three or four that week. So it it really varies, uh, and I wish I could say it varies on how I'm doing. A lot of times, it varies on how busy I am. Um, so yeah.
2: I've always been a talker. My report card's always said a good student, but she talks too much. <laughs> still have a problem calling at meetings I have announced that I was looking to be able to call someone between ten p m and seven a m and can't find people. any suggestions for finding people I, I mean I think what you're doing is great. I think you have to keep asking um, i mean this is the, this is the graveyard shift and it's real tough i think um I think you got to, you've got to keep asking the other thing is you know maybe a shock. I'm a talker, too. And it's really important that when I call people for program that I be time efficient. You know, I really don't want to be burning people's time. And it, you know, it's part of my character, you know, the things I want to get better at. So I think there are two parts to this question. Keep asking, find those people in program who are in graveyard shift, and be time efficient with your words. I think it's, um, it's an important practice to build.
1: How long do you think about food before thinking to call? <laughs> hmm. Um. Yeah, that that varies a lot too. Like it's uh, there are other tools. Like by the grace of God, I really haven't had. I still have the obsession sometimes, but I I don't get the compulsion to eat. Um, but. You know, a lot of times, and depending on where I am, um, you know, I'll write first or I'll pick up literature first, uh, but sometimes, I mean, I can remember there were periods of time where, yeah, it was just, it was pretty immediate, where it's like I don't want to be, it's kind of like how long do I want to be in pain, you know, how long do I want to ruminate with this, and and that's dangerous. So, yeah, I I would say turnaround time for me, if the phone's available, is it's pretty quick.
2: What do you say when you're making a phone call when you're not in trouble? Give me some suggested openers. Um, how's your program going? Again, what's going on with your food? I haven't seen you at meetings, you know, whatever. I I always try to plug it into program, but sometimes it is kind of awkward where, you know, I'm not having a big crisis while you're calling. It's a great time to reach out to other people.
1: Have you ever had surgery or some other medical issue that stopped you from getting to meetings? Um, By the grace of God, nothing um, long-term, but I will um, talk about this. I did have uh, surgery a couple of times, and this was, well, I mean, this was actually oral surgery. And where I used the telephone was really, really important because, um, I needed to call in, like, uh, food is my drug of choice, but drugs could be my food of choice, <laughs> and I knew that they were going to give me some really cool drugs, and um, so I made an agreement with somebody to, to call in my drugs, to call in, because they gave me, and to say, okay, I'm taking, because also I was afraid I was going to be out of it, and, and you know, and the whole food thing was different, so um, I, after that, I, I used the telephone and I, I think I ended up taking one pain pill. You know, I mean, it, it turned out not to be uh, that big a deal, but I had the plan in place, okay, I'm going to call you. And I kept on calling and saying, okay, I'm still not using anything. It's fine, you know, except Tylenol. But um, yeah, so, but I don't know if you want to answer this too. Cause, um... and the other
2: suggestion about for the person looking for someone on the midnight shift, it's also, it's been suggested you leave a message on people's voicemails. You know, you can, it might be a way to um, just hear the voice of a compulsive overeater. And do we still have an 800? And there are phone meetings. You know, in the middle of the night, there are phone meetings, which is another way to, um, you know, to just connect and have that live contact. Thank
0: you. Actually, our app is empty now. Was there any questions from the audience? Yes. So, that's not
2: the topic. <laughs> no. So the question is when my sponsor sent me on the action research to find out what people who had survived a relapse were were doing right beforehand, um, I, I think the first one was was lying and missing commitments. So not going to meetings. I think for me it was um, not going to meetings and... Um, not phoning people just really isolating and the other thing it was um and i think the thing i remember the most was the perpetual exceptions oh i started out i can have this again i can have a little bit of this as as far as food goes it's just um it's you know that that small seed of corruption where you just think oh all right well i'm trying to think of Popcorn is one that I've struggled with. I don't as much anymore. Well, I can, I can have popcorn. At least I'm not eating candy. You know, and it's that it's that kind of stinking thinking that I think really um, that really led to that.
0: Great. Do we have any other questions in the audience? Okay. Well, then in that case, it is now time to close. Let's thank our.
1: Oh, thank you.
0: you. All right. So let's thank our speakers and all who have done service. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you, Tom. Now please stand and join hands as we close with the OA promise. I put my hand in yours.